So you've probably noticed what I've noticed, which is that as you get into this midlife, I hate that word, we'll come up with a new one, I promise. You get into this midlife moment, you kind of realize you're going through the same thing as adolescence, but backwards. Your body is doing weird stuff. Your mind is doing weird stuff. Everything seems disoriented. You're having hormonal problems. You're wondering, who am I? Where am I going? What's happening to me? It's all just in reverse. <laughs> and we're not the only ones who've noticed this as we go through it. And Barbara Waxman, who was somebody who was always interested in aging and wisdom, even in her 20s, she says that she would, she just always had an interest in older people. And she went out there and did some research and coined the idea, which is called middlescence. And basically her idea is that we are living longer, as we all know. In 1900, the life expectancy for women was 47 years. Now it's 80s. Depending on how you take care of yourself, it can be longer than that. That's a long time to be in this older category. And what's happened is because our health is better than ever, it's not considered old, old age. It's considered longer middle age. Anyway, so she calls it middle essence and she's written some books about it as well. You may know her from her book, The Middle Essence Manifesto, Igniting the Passion of Midlife. She's also the founder of the Odyssey Group Coaching LLC, and she holds various degrees um, in research from different places. And so I wanted to talk to Barbara about how we are changing our point of view on midlife and what that means for all of us. And she's also a reinventor herself, so she's got a lot to say. So I hope you'll enjoy this conversation with Barbara. And what I really like is we get into a discussion about what some of you tell me is that you had all this fabulous confidence when you were in your 20s and 30s and 40s, and then you started losing it, and we're not sure why. So Barbara has some answers for you. And here we go with Barbara. So good morning, Barbara. How are you? I'm great this morning. Thanks. So let's talk first about, though you're, you're the queen of middle essence um, and everything that every woman listening to this podcast is going through. But let's talk about your history first. I always like to see, because I know that there are threads um, starting very early on that lead you to do what you do. Talk about a little bit about where you grew up and um, how you got into writing books about this and, and about also your repotting as you described it. Sure. Well, I love and am so connected to what you're doing here because you pick up on both the common threads throughout people's lives and the reinvention. So I guess my story is on the poster child of people you talk to in that the threads are, I've always been interested in aging and wisdom and grew up visiting nursing homes with my dad when he would volunteer there. And ultimately in my twenties, got a master's degree in gerontology, which is the study of adult development, because guess what? As adults, we continue to grow and develop. That's why we never really feel grown up. The reinvention parts 
have been my working in that field and then people asking me if I coach them didn't know what coaching was. I am from New York. You asked where I am from originally. I've now lived in California for 35 years. So the New Yorker in me, 20 years ago when people asked me about coaching, thought it sounded really soft, to be honest. And I thought, why do people need a coach if they're CEOs of companies, if they're running things? And, uh, and then I learned actually coaching is a very powerful tool and went back for uh, postmasters work in coaching and started the Odyssey Group, where I focus on working with, first, I called it adults, midlife, and better. And then after about 15 years of this work, recognized that we're really developing a new life stage, which I call middlescence. Can you talk a little bit about, is that an age-related thing or is it that, is it more of a lifestyle or life stage and how do you know if you're getting into it? Absolutely. Middle lessons is very similar, in fact, to another stage that we've gone through. And I'll tell you some of the qualifiers and see, see if you can guess. Uh, our hormones are changing, though this time not in ways we may like. Our bodies are morphing. Again, maybe not in the ways that we choose. Our relationships are shifting in all kinds of ways. And we have this identity questioning that we're not young, but we're not old either. Uh, and it's a lot like adolescence. And I didn't know until I really started studying this that adolescence was in fact created, was named about 100 years ago by a psychologist named Stanley Hall. So the stage of middlescence has to do with, we're supposed to be questioning things because those 30 years we've all read about the demographics that in 1900 life expectancy was 47, now it's in our 80s and longer if we don't smoke, we exercise and we stay engaged. So those years are not at the end of our lives is more decrepit years. They're showing up in the middle as this new life stage. So if people can harness the wisdom that they have and address kind of this inner friction in middle essence, then really great things can happen. So talk about, I mean, does that mean when you're going to perimenopause, you're headed into it? I mean, are there any physical signs? And I yeah. did notice, I, you know, running more magazine for so long. I, I used to compare this a lot to adolescence, but in reverse, <laughs> because it is exactly the same thing. And the hilarious part was I ran a teen magazine as well. And I would even find the common threads that the teenagers, when you would run a, a magazine cover line about hair, would give it the same rating that a woman of 60 would. So it was pretty hilarious. <laughs> Nothing changes and yet everything changes. Absolutely. So one of the markers, and it's why it starts at about 45, uh, the, the beginning time I can clarify better that when middle lessons end is softer uh, and bleeds out, so to speak. But what we do is we start it when we go through these shifts in our bodies and in our relationships. And just like we look at adolescence and we immediately get a hit when we remember ourselves as adolescents, when we think about our kids and we think, wow, this is a time where they've got some figuring out to do. And we know that some of it's gonna be painful. So if we look at middle essence and we say, 
oh, we're supposed to take this time and consciously recognize, yes, my body is changing. At the same time, women in particular gain power in middle essence. And I'll tell you why. Women tend to be less attached to feeling dependent on men, unless financially they don't have other choices. But more and more women who have worked and have a sense of more agency, in fact, have women are the ones, if they ask for a divorce, it's, it's the woman, not the man. And a lot of people think men go through a midlife crisis, they wanna get a divorce. The research shows women are coming into their power and they're saying, I wanna do what I care about, is one thing. I care less about what other people think. And a third thing that women are saying is, I wanna contribute in a way and I feel like I'm ready to do that. So it's actually a powerful stage for women once we own it and recognize, yes, I'm giving up some of my physical prowess, but I can absorb and take advantage of the fact that I've got more wisdom and I don't care as much about what other people think. But that does break down among um, it's financially supported. Like if you are not in a situation where you can be financially independent, does that change your whole attitude and trajectory into uh, to middle essence? Yes. Yeah, so there are different categories. So everyone becomes a middle essence, just like everyone goes through adolescence, no matter how much money or what circumstances you live in. It is a new life stage because we live so long that we kind of rejigger things in the middle and make new choices. The experience of middle essence does vary according to how much agency, how many resources a woman has. So someone who can completely reinvent themselves, I wanna to pay to go back to school. I actually wanna to move to a new location. They have the most agency to do that. There are also people who are saying, you know what, I can't afford to do much, but I know something needs to change. And those people will make a smaller pivot. They take a new job, they get some training to get back in the workplace. A lot of people ask me, how much ageism is out there? And can I reinvent myself or is it all over because it's so hard to get a job? And what I suggest to them is that they get themselves in game shape. And again, this isn't about how much money you have. They get in game shape for the life they want to lead. And what I mean by that is, I'll say, think about hiring yourself. You're interviewing yourself across the table. How do you physically, intellectually want to show up there? And I have some work called The Five Essential Elements, which is based on people amping their mojo, so to speak, and getting themselves in that game shape for their lives. And it's, I think I'm gonna be doing a webinar with you in September about it, but people can always go to my website, download for free a quiz, where it's a 25 question quiz, true or false, where people in these five areas can look at where they are and how they score. Are they thriving? Are they sputtering? Are they in the blah zone? Lots of people in the blah zone these days. And then it kind of gives you hints about how to move forward from there. So whether it's a big reinvention or a smaller reinvention, everyone can do that. But of course, the more resources we have, 
the more agency we have to do the big pivot. Do you find women are wanting to reinvent more than men or do you find it it's pretty much equal? I would say that women want to reinvent more than men in that in two ways. One, women who have stepped off the career track. Lots of women are highly educated. We look at those statistics, right? Highly educated, but make a choice to work part-time or some people can afford to not work for a while, stay home with their kids. And then they're in middle lesson saying, all right, that treadmill has been running. I don't know how to run, get back on it without falling on my face. So some of that has to do with quieting the gremlins, quieting those voices that tell us, who are you to go back to work? You're not going to be able to get a job. You've been you know, working in your community. And how do you transfer that? Other work I do with people is helping understand how to shut down those self-limiting voices. The second aspect has to do with specifically addressing ageism. And what I am seeing is that men experience it as well, as well but women experience, experience ageism from the outside in. And what I mean by that is men are allowed to age, right? Men with gray hair look more, quote, dignified, and the wrinkles make them look a little more rugged. Whereas women, we've been told, have to look ageless. Um, so fortunately, that's beginning to shift. And in fact, during COVID, what we're seeing is more and more women empowered and saying, I'm going gray and owning that more. Back to the five essential elements, part of the reason that work is so powerful is it enables women to feel powerful because part of ageism is external as I was saying, from the outside in. And part of it is like an arrow we point at ourselves. And we limit ourselves because we buy into ageism perhaps before we make it to the door. So when we can go in and say interview in a company for a job or we're in that position, as long as we are staying current enough, for example, I hear a lot, I am not up on technology. And I'll say to clients, you don't need to be an expert in technology. What you need to do is to find a wise elder to mentor you and a wise younger, a millennial, to mentor you as well so that you can stay current enough in the game that you can speak the language. You don't have to know all of the tools. So ageism is a real issue, but I think at least a good part of it, we can fight if we show up and don't point, point those arrows at ourselves. Do you think that women are doing self-sabotage in any way? Or do you think they're just listening to what society says? And, and do you think that that is really truly going to change after COVID? I mean, I have to say what I've liked about COVID is we got to see how people really live by seeing their real rooms where they live in. And um, we got to see them without their hair being done. I know I stopped putting on makeup for my Zoom things. Will that stay with us, do you think? Or do you think the pressures out there are going to be too great and we're going to have to swing back, especially as the job market tightens up? I think as we get back into the market, there are going to be a few things that happen. One, we do tend to self-sabotage ourselves. We're human. Um, we have our insecurities and the prevailing cultural norms aren't in our favor. So part of it coming out of COVID is for us 
to listen to one another. And that's why I'm so pleased that you're doing these interviews and have your webinars so that we can maintain our sisterhood, stay powerful, stay connected, and support one another when we see ourselves kind of pointing those ageist arrows. Um, I also think when we're going back to work, part of it's going to be we're going to get excited to get dressed up again. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, when I recently um, went out and met some friends at a social distance, I got over, overdressed for the occasion, let's just call it, because I was so excited to get out there. So I think people, we will go back and want to show up and feel good. And sometimes it feels good. You get your mojo going by putting on some makeup and earrings and getting out there. And sometimes you feel your best when you are just your most authentic. Like I can be on Zoom without makeup. I think the authenticity that we have when we are midlife and better shows through. And I think COVID, what's going, what we're going to maintain is this ability to be our real selves and not hold back. And I, I, I think that's going to be consistent. Can you dig into the authenticity thing? Because that's the word that we're hearing over and over and over again. And how does that mesh up with middle essence? Is that a time? I mean, I know that we used to call the fuck you fifties um, when, when everybody just gets to that point when you're just so damn sick of worrying about what other people think. And you, you look behind you and say, you know what? I got only a, maybe 25, 30 more years left of this, I'm not going to waste it on worrying about what Jane in my office thinks. So fuck them. I'm going to be who I am. Do we, do we have more of that? Do, do what's your sense and from talking to people? Yes. So I'm glad you said the fuck you fifties because as you were asking the question, I'm thinking, how do I say that? <laughs> uh, a lot of it has to do with what I mentioned earlier. We have less uh, of a sense of caring what other people think. It is a natural, when you look at adult development, there is something that happens developmentally where we care less what other people think. And that has everything to do with our authenticity. Because once we care less what others think, and once we take the time, and here's the key, we have to take the time to discern what it is we really care about, who we've been, and COVID is a great time for us to take the time to do this. Who we are right now and who we want to be. That is authenticity. Simon Sinek uh, wrote a great book, The Power of Why. And um, I do his exercises with a lot of people, which is really getting to why. Why do you care about the things you care about? And really owning it. And so when you show up, People are really clear who you are, what you care about, how you want to spend your time and energy. So the authenticity has to do also with showing up with a powerful yes and being really clear with a resolute no. And we're really bad at saying no as women most of the time. So I think authenticity has to do with our ability to also say no more. Yeah. And that's always been a struggle. Can you talk a little bit about one thing I hear an awful lot um, from women this age? A lot of them talk about having felt very confident in their 20s and then they lose their confidence suddenly and they can't figure out why. 
in their 40s, 50s, 60s, they're losing it. Now, there's a big portion of us that don't, but there is a group, and I'm trying to understand um, there's a loss of confidence, and I don't, I don't know that it's just related to the outward look, it's something inner. Like a lot of them talk about, I was a, you know, I was a childhood athlete. I thought I could do anything. I did this, I did that. I was, was daring. And now I'm a sort of afraid of everything and things get in that didn't get in. Is, is that anything that you've seen before? And what, what does that come from and how do they get over it? So I was recently working with a client who it, it, you just described her. Um, when she was growing up, she had certain ideas about how she was going to be and what, you know, what she was good at. And then she went on a different path because in her case, and this happens a lot of times, her parents thought you're really good with numbers. You should go into accounting, et cetera, et cetera. And so she went, she went that route and she became very on the outside, what we call successful. And by the way, a lot of people will say to me, I know I look successful on the outside, but on the inside, and I think this is some of the people you're talking about, I don't have confidence because I feel like a fraud a little bit. I, it's not who I want to be, but I don't know how to get my confidence to make a change. In order to do that, for those people who are lacking confidence, I'd say there are three steps. One, look back at what your dreams were and what is it that caused you to let go of them. So if you felt like you were an athlete and you were physically strong and powerful, what can that look like in your life now? If that's something that you keep going back to that you miss, as an example. Something else is if you're lacking confidence now, I mentioned gremlins before, there's a specific exercise that I have where I ask people to imagine that themselves like a castle, a beautiful castle on a hill and you're surrounded by a moat. And in between you, the castle and the moat are these, is this comfort zone. These areas you can go and play in, but if you go any farther in front of the moat are these gremlins, these guards, and they're actually there for good reason. They're there to say, be careful and don't do this. You could get fired. Don't do this. You could embarrass yourself. You could embarrass your family. The problem with that scenario that we all live in is those self-limiting behaviors sometimes serve, don't drink and drive, right? But the magic that we're looking for in middle essence, when we're midlife, when we're sort of looking, what do I wanna be? Why do I feel like I'm lacking confidence? That magic is on the other side of the moat. And we have to name what it is and decide, is the risk, what am I really saying might happen? And when is the time I need to tell those gremlins, those guards, you're not needed now. I am pushing through this fear. And then find a support buddy to do that. So it's naming the fear, identifying what the message you're hearing. You might get fired, you might be embarrassed. And then making the choice to go through and finding a support buddy to encourage you to do it. Uh, so that's kind of what I'm seeing with lack of confidence and how to deal with it. Do you find it breaks down equally? Are you finding 50% of your clients or people you study are less confident versus more? Or what are you finding? I've, I was so shocked at like, I just got to the point where 
I'm way more confident, probably overly confident <laughs> in many ways than I was as a 20 or 30 year old. So there's something related to confidence called the U-curve of happiness. And it shows that when we're younger, not in our 20s, but even younger as children, we're happy. And then our happiness into our 20s where we feel all powerful continues. But then it starts this downhill slope. And you know, a lot of that is related to life stage. So a lot of it is related to in our 30s and 40s, we are often in a very fulfilling stage of having children and committed to either our work life, volunteer life, which is a kind of work, by the way. A lot of people put it down, but it is engaging and making a difference. Those are hard years. As parents, and I'm a parent, I wouldn't change it for the world, but people don't report that those are the happiest years. They may be very fulfilling. So that dip goes on until about 47, 48. Ha, middle lessons. When people go through this reckoning with their confidence, with finding out how to be authentic, and it doesn't break down according to economics, education. I mean, this is an international um, understanding from the research about this U-curve. And then around this reckoning time, where people become more authentic, care less about what others think, and make choices that are more in sync with how they see themselves, then it starts to go up. And it looks like a smile because we end up being happier the older we are. And it's a myth. Most people think it's the opposite, that as people age, they're less happy. But the reality is anything but that. And is that um, across sexes as well? Yes. It's international and for men and women. Now, the way that the bottom of that U-curve is experienced, what I call this reckoning period that we should go through in middle lessons, has really changed over the last, I'd call it, 15 years. And that's because generations before us looked at 45 and better as, okay, I'm going to look towards retirement. I'm not going to re-engage my education, retool myself, because really I have another 15 years or so. So it's kind of a downhill slope. Now people are saying in their 40s, 50s, and 60s, the industry I'm in is caving. How do I reinvent myself so I can be a contribution and not let people who I've been working for and with down? And we're seeing that in all these stages. So this reckoning that's happening in the middle has changed over the last 15 years. And I'm seeing more women have more power. It's really exciting. Good, good time to be us. Not that we have a choice, right? <laughs> Not easy, but actually an awesome time um, to be a woman who is ready to kind of own her power and potential and to look ageism in the face and recognize how much is um, how much of the ageism is, am I causing for myself and how much is real and what am I going to do about it? And what are you thinking post-COVID? Because that's, that's sort of the, the final thing I want to talk to you about as we pull into the end, is do you see middle essence altering at all because of COVID? Do you see people's 
attitude about what they want to do in middle essence changing? What's your gut on all of that? My gut is that as one door closes, or perhaps many doors close because we're stuck at home. So the doors of being free to engage with people uh, in all kinds of ways has been closed. The doors to lots of businesses and um, are going to are going to be closed. And so there's a reckoning that's happening in the business world. And when I say business world, I actually mean medical world as well. I think coming out of COVID, it's on us to discern, to judge what it is we want to focus on, because there is so much potential coming out of this chaos. For example, virtual medicine, telemedicine wasn't allowed for so many reasons pre-COVID, so pre a few months ago. Oh, doctors weren't interested in it. Insurers wouldn't pay for it. Um, no one believed in it. And telemedicine is actually going to be the way of the future. That's just one tiny example. It's up to each of us coming out of this to think, what do I care about personally? What is the problem that I can look at? And rather than seeing it through the lens of, well, that door is closed, what related to it is going to be open? Because there is potential going forward in so many ways. Um, so I think... People need to look at their, what I call, little P and big P purpose. Um, a lot of people are saying, I want to use this time really well, um, but I don't know what I care about, Barb. I, I don't know what I want to do next. I know that I'm probably going to lose my job or the industry I'm in is not going to be growing. And I just you know, see a dark alleyway and not a lot of light out there. And so I tell people... Don't worry right now about your big P purpose. Don't worry about changing the world or starting a new company. Start where you are, in your home, go outside, get some sunshine and find some little P purpose. And little P purpose might mean helping a neighbor who's older get their groceries, uh, working in your garden, do something that brings you joy. Energize yourself now, meditate, have some quiet moments where you sharpen your mind because then you will be creative and be able to move towards the big P purpose and idea that will be more creative to help you move forward and discern what you want to be doing post COVID. Awesome. So in closing, Barbara, I always ask um, all of our experts You've given us a lot of tips and tricks along the way, and you have a lot on your site, obviously, too, where they can go to. So they can go to barbarawaxman.com and find a lot of your sort of free evaluation tips and tricks like that. Is there any one or two tips or tricks that you want to leave people with that they need to know about navigating this time and, and how to reinvent within it? Sure. I think based on some of the questions you've been asking me, what I would want to leave listeners with is let go of being attached to a chronological number. Age is no longer what defines us because I'm 57. I have three kids who are launched. I, before COVID, been traveling all over the world, studying leadership, doing work that I really care about. Now I'm reframing how I'm going to be doing that. 
I have friends who are in their 50s who have kids in high school. So I have other friends in their 50s who are looking at what they call retiring, even though they're saying, I want to work in retirement, which is an oxymoron. So the whole idea of an age defining us no longer applies. And I want people to really absorb that and detach from the number and rather look at two things. What is the stage you're in? Are you in the stage of caregiving for parents? A lot of us are there. How do you manage that and live your best life? Are you in the stage where you're an empty nester and you've launched your kids and it's almost overwhelming to think, well, what do I do now? Own that. Get the tools you need to help you figure out what your little P and your big P purpose is. So live life according to the stage you're in and not be defined anymore by a chronological number that really no longer applies. That's awesome. So thank you so much, Barbara. Incredible. And I can't wait to have you um, in September at our coffee and conversation where we can actually get down to workshopping some of this, which will be fantastic. And I look forward to meeting you virtually or in person at some point too, which would be great. So thanks for joining us. Thanks. So thank you all for joining us and listening to this story from Barbara Waxman. I hope you learned a lot. I hope you'll visit her site and you can take some of her assessments, which are there for you to do, which sound really interesting. We're also going to bring her to the Covey Club webinar series where she will go through some of those with you. But the five essential elements assessment is great. Go try it out. And I hope that you'll find her book illuminating as well. And it might help explain to you as it does to all of us, what the heck is happening. And it is real. It's not in your head. (laughs) And we're all going through it together. And if you enjoyed this conversation. I hope that you will subscribe and you will also pass this along to other friends who need help figuring out how they're going to reinvent themselves or why they're going through what they're going through and also to break through that isolation so that none of us feel like we're all alone. And I hope that you'll also join us over at coveyclub.com where we talk about all these things. We have wonderful webinars and learning and we also have great content for you. Thanks a lot. Hope to see you next time. Bye.